We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Day More NBA podcast brought to you by the Genesis Company coming at you Sunday evening. It's June 25th, and the Minnesota Timberwolves have re signed Nas Reed. It's a three year deal uh, worth $42 million. There's a player option in that third season. Uh, we'll get into some of the salary cap ramifications, blah, 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 of all that. And also maybe talk a little bit about what this might look like on the floor. But Kyle, um, I was thinking while while you went uh, to the pool, or you were at the pool, <laughs> uh, at the pool mid marg when the when the Woj bomb came down. Yep, yep, yep. Um, I, I was I don't know. I just started kind of thinking about it. I did my little sour cap stuff, um, but but I want to start talking about this signing and Nasri. I think kind of in a, a weird spot. I think a really cool sort of side story of this move is that it's a win for like Wolves culture like internal mm-hmm. culture and external mm-hmm. culture. Um, I guess I'll kind of explain what that means. I think this signing is a real signal of some real strength in the first, like the internal culture of the Wolves roster, right? And, you know, having covered this team for six seasons now, uh, like glimmers of internal culture have been few and far between over the years. And I think that if this is a signal of Wolves culture. I think that's a credit to the leaders of this team. Going back a couple years, I started thinking about, you know, that the 46 win season were kind of out of nowhere. Like Chris Finch, Carl Anthony Towns, Anthony Edwards started building something that out of nowhere, right? They win 46 games. They make the playoffs. Obviously, so much of that seemed to get like papered over, clouded over last season with the all-in move of Gobert. But like that season two years ago happened. Um, the impact that it that it had on this group, I think, was real. And I think this Nas signing is, you know, a, a signal of that actually kind of like holding through over the course of this past season with Rudy. Obviously, you got Kat, who's out for the majority of last season. But I think Jade McDaniels kind of joined the culture committee crew once Kat went down. And my point being is I think that that culture internally was attractive to Nas, right? That's... I think part one of of why he a part of why he was interested in this culture. And I think so that's internally. And then I was thinking externally, it's a good signal for Wolves culture, too. And what I think I mean there is it's a win for like the Wolves 
fan base, like in a bizarre, very wolvesy way. Like Nas Reed has become this sort of cult hero in the Wolves fan base. It's the classic Minnesota sports thing, right? The player who everyone kind of seems to love, but like they fear they're going to leave for a bigger market once. Well, right, like David Ortiz was the first one of that. And then there's been a, a, a long list down the line. And I think it's a win for Wolves fan culture that that didn't happen, right? Nas stayed. And I'm not saying he took like a discount financially to say like money was, we talked about this, right? Like money was always going to be a big factor in this, obviously, because he's an undrafted player who's been playing on minimum contracts for the first four years of his career. But I do think the way Nas was kind of loved here helped. I feel comfortable saying that that was true, played a role in it. And I think Nas is still here because he got paid, right? First and foremost, but it's also about that internal culture Finch has overseen over the last few years. And I think it's somewhat about the external Wolves basketball culture that has kind of developed here over or just exists here. And as someone who kind of lives in and or around that whirlpool of Wolves culture, I really do think all of that is like worth, I don't know, worth celebrating. So sorry to steal your thunder, but <laughs> let's go. Cheers, buddy. I'll drink let's that. go. I, uh, I'm glad we started with that. You know, I was looking at the outline we made and we, we do need to get into the salary cap stuff. I saw you posted another video. Uh, those are really good, by the way, like coming from a fan perspective. Cool. I think a lot of people learn a lot from you talking over an Excel spreadsheet. <laughs> uh, but I really do. I'm glad you brought up the culture stuff, too, because I, I wanted to plug it once. And it's not even a sh shameless plug, but like we got to talk to Finch last week, me and Phil yeah. at Flagrant Howls, and we pivoted more into like a culture and leadership type of I sent you the questions before, like we weren't going to ask him a ton of basketball stuff because we wanted to keep it kind of evergreen and like you can listen to it in August and it's still going to be relevant. Right. And a lot of what Finch talked about, like he had some really cool stuff in there about like always explain the why. And I was asking about like, how do you, how do you handle Ant spinning his finger around in the first quarter for a challenge? Right. And he's like heard, explaining yeah. to that or just some of his other culture things. And that ties back into Nas and I know like we, we do as a fan base, as me as a fan too, like we get excited about Jalen Clark, right? He's not going to play basketball for a year, but we, we do get excited about some of those things and it's probably not valid or it's like, ah, you know, yeah, that's a June way to celebrate. I think this specific moment, this Sunday, Nas Reed re-signing, when you've gone this far, Nas, just go another week, get into free agency, see what's out there, right? Worst case scenario, you just come back to the Wolves and take that money. I think it's one of the biggest moments in this franchise's history. Oh my God. No, but no, hear me out though. And I know like, listen, some people are going to hear that and criticize it. And those people only do missionary, but like for, for this and the culture, I, it doesn't make any sense why Nas did this. It's kind of my, my first reaction is like, just go explore the rest of the pool. Go see, you know, go see if San Antonio will give you four for 80 and let you start next to Wemby. And I really think he was like, yes, again, he got paid. But he really did want to see something through that he is a key contributor to, right? Like, he's not the best player on this team. He's not the best big man on this team, probably. But he has been through, I think the Wolves in his first two years, I was looking this up, were 40. He came in in 2019, right? He was drafted sixth overall, as some of us know. Um, 
he was 45 and 92 in his first two years here because those first two years were pretty lean, mm-hmm. kind of tanking a little bit. Um, and anyone you talk to around the team always said, like, he took it the hardest. He hated losing more than anyone else. And he didn't have a big role on the team. He was still not really where he is today as like an athlete, as a player. But he hated losing more than even like an ant or anyone else that was on this team. So this culture idea that was able to convince him to come back and sign before he was, you know, eligible for team visits and helicopter rides and potential bigger paydays. I think it's a real, I mean, I say a little tongue in cheek, but I really do think it's a big moment because yeah, the Wolves aren't winning playoff series yet, but Nas Reed would play a big role in taking that next step. And you're only going to really, you know, congratulate the Denver Nuggets on their culture once they win something big. Sure. People weren't talking about the Nuggets culture last year when the Nuggets culture was still really good. <laughs> um, for the Wolves to do this, to keep one of their own. I mean, Nas Reed, as I've said before, is the best developmental story this franchise ever has. Well, I don't even know what the second. Can, can I go off the Jalen Clark thing? Like, yeah, th- th- I think that actually ties in really well to Nas. It's like, yes, how many times over the years, not just in this fan base, but maybe particularly so in this fan base, like, you do the thing where they draft a player like in the second round or whatever, and you watch the highlights and you convince yourself of something like you see the glass, not just half full, but like all the way full. Right. And so many times, right. That doesn't actually end up coming to fruition, but with Nas, literally an undrafted player, if anyone was excited about him then, or in the first couple of years and like, predicting the glass to be full this was like the one time it was actually right and i think specific to the wolves fan base there's just been so little good stuff that like the fans who do stay locked in with this team you know 12 months a year throughout the season whatever like those are the type of things that they latch on to right is is this hope that oh that this guy i really liked back when they were 19 years old and i think he could be x y and z and like Nas is the rare example of a guy who did become X, Y, and Z. And that isn't to say, you know, he's not an all-star or anything like that. We're talking about when you start at the place of an undrafted free agent and become a rotation player. Like that, that in and of itself is super rare. Like the Heat hung a banner for one for Gabe Vincent, one for Max Truce, like one for Duncan Robinson, yeah. right? Like it, right. it's it's a big deal because it is so rare. Like the expected value of a late second round pick or an undrafted player that you signed is so low and so necessary. So needed, right. For a team that maybe is a small market, maybe has some bad contracts, whatever, whatever, like you need those things to work to actually get, you know, to where you envision you want to be going. And I think that has always been a big part when we talk about the Wolves fan base culture, about how they go about these things, or from what I can tell, how in many ways I go about things when I'm looking at this stuff. And um, I think, yeah, he's kind of like the manifestation of of that idea. And it's cool that that actually came to fruition and he didn't just dip, right? Once his contract right. expired. And, and that's, yeah, that's a win. And, and again, I... I, f- I believe what I say, but I also am cognizant of when I say this is one of the biggest moments in 34 years of the franchise. Uh, like we celebrate in this in this fan base, like macaroni and cheese out of a box. 
right? Like we know like the Celtics fans looking at like, that's one of the best moments. Like I'm well aware that that is a low bleeping bar, but this culture idea that has come in since new ownership came through or Tim Connolly came through, like the Wolves just 99 times out of a hundred, just lose Nas Reed. <laughs> like in 10 days, Nas Reed in the past, they just go to other teams. Like you said, they go sign bigger deals. They go other places culture and fit and what they are building. I mean, again, yeah, none of this matters. They're going to be projected to go eighth or ninth in the West next year, right? Unless they make some big trade, like well aware of that as well. But this is the type of small benchmark. This is not banner worthy. This is not a second round playoff, but this is the type of moments like, okay, like maybe, maybe they are building something. And again, the only thing that matters at the end of the day is wins and losses. But Nas Reed is the type of guy that, as he gets more just confident and more skilled. I mean, again, where he was when he was, I think he would describe it, right? Like the fat kid coming out at 19 out of LSU, that first summer league to where he is now. Um, he is, he is that Max Struess, right? He is like in that yeah. Fred Van Vliet. He's, he's one of those situations where what I, what I thought was really cool. And again, when you were talking about the fan base and stuff, a lot of that cult hero stuff, you, you do have to also credit like the fans because sure. not only did they believe in a guy who was undrafted and they were proven right because he had a big payday day, but yeah, like the Canis Hoopuses of the world, the the Wolves cast guys that made that awesome song, like they built this up and made this brand for Nas Reed that when you go into the locker room at night, everyone's just saying Nas Reed, right? Like Jaden and Kyle Anderson <laughs> yeah, and stuff. Included the players. Um, so that, what, what I will take away from today is not only, I want to say this now too, like I am really happy for that guy because I don't know if what the, what are the details? Three years, forty two million. I don't know if that's generational wealth. It's probably not, but it is life changing money mm-hmm. for a guy who was making essentially the bare minimum in this league. And yep. I'm really happy for him. And every possible person that roots for this team today, the timeline was filled with positivity. But one of the things I'll take away from it is my timeline has a lot of other people that cover a lot of other teams, and they were really sad. <laughs> there was a lot of teams out there that were like, "Shit." We thought we were going to be able to pry Nas Reed away. And yeah, the roster's want, like kind of wonky, and you'll get into all that stuff, and the salary cap's tight now. But this team, it would have been a real embarrassing moment to build this guy up to the point where he is a valuable player in the league, and then to see him leave. Mm-hmm. So to keep him, it says a lot about what Tim Connolly's doing. We'll get into that. It says a lot about Ant and Jaden and their friendship with this guy. Uh, and I really do think it's a big moment for this team that, yes, go win games to actually be a good team. But to do that, you need good players like Nas Reed, and Nas Reed is a good player. Yeah, I, let's get all all our sappiness out of the way. I I, I feel like I tweeted this About out, a lot so more. yeah, I, I figured. Um, <laughs> but but I don't know. I I kind of had wanted to tell this story. Not not that it's like some crazy story, but um as I was just thinking about Nas's free agency, and I honestly the reason I didn't was because I kind of thought he was going to leave. Um. But uh, I was going out to Brooklyn at the end of the season uh, to cover the Wolves-Nets game. And I was at the airport and I'm like, what? <laughs> there's Nas Reed. We're both about to get on the same flight. And I, you know, go say hi to him. And we you know, start talking a little bit. Um, and, you know, he's, he's recently broke his wrist or whatever. And they're like, oh, man, and, like everything was coming together. And, you know, you're a free agent, like whatever. We, we kind of talked about that a little bit. I'll keep most of that, you know, private. But um. The, the one thing that really stood out to me, and I, I tweeted this out, but 
when we were talking about this, he goes, like, and it seemed genuine. Like, he genuinely cared about the answer to this. He's like, what will what will the, the fan base think if I leave? And I was like, oh, that's not the first place my head would have gone <laughs> when I'm, like, you know, uh, facing the proposition of getting a ton of money when, I, you know, Nas has made $6 million total dollars in, in four years uh, for the team, which is uh, many millions of dollars, but peanuts uh, in, in professional sports. And, um, and I, you know, I was kind of like, well, I mean, I, I think they'll understand because you, you, you know, you haven't, uh, made any, you know, you haven't really made your bag in, in the NBA yet. And, uh, as like, you know, it's time to like get onto the plane and I'm thinking about that. I'm like, huh, like it was like one of those things you don't really know how much a player actually is like consuming stuff or how much they care uh, about you know they like care about the fans how much they act and I was like huh right like Nas seems that seems to actually matter to him and you know we're getting on the plane or whatever and he's uh, sitting in first class and I'm not and he's got a broken wrist or whatever so somebody's like <laughs> helping him put his l- luggage up there and I'm like and they're like oh you're Nas Reed whatever and uh and then the guy puts there like takes a selfie with him and I'm just kind of all watching it happen from a few uh, rows further back. And he like got up over the like the his seat, looked back to see if I was seeing that happen. And I just like <laughs> nodded at him and he smiled. And I was like, huh. and I, again, I tweeted this, but it was like a, I at that point in time, I was just kind of anticipating looking at the salary cap and all the stuff with the wolves like it was. I don't think it makes a lot of sense that that he's going to be coming back, but it was literally as small as that interaction was, uh, that kind of like stuck with me as, you know what, maybe, maybe some of this other stuff matters too. And if he can get a similar amount of money um, from the wolves as he could on the open market, you know, maybe, maybe he would take that. Um, and I still went on the next couple months, like not necessarily thinking that, but I was reminded in my head, um, again, of that story uh, today, and I think it's, I think that stuff matters. It mattered to him. But I also want to thank, like, this sounds so weird. I want to thank you for telling that story because <laughs> people, you know, when you and Britt talk, or when you talk to a lot of people, or just you consume a lot of basketball content, it is still a lot of numbers and stats and all these things, and like, because that's the only way people, mostly like fans, can really access what their favorite team right but there is and that's why i think this is important to start with this instead of the numbers because there's a lot of other stuff and i always stress this that goes on behind the scenes that we just aren't privy to we don't get daily videos of the team like we don't get a daily track the pack right um they're once every six months i feel like so it's it's nice to know some of that other stuff and i think that other stuff that is not things that we can touch or see or sort in a graph or whatever is like that stuff also matters. And to me, and you can push back on this if you want, like I, that's why he signed today, right? Like he could have just waited and ruined all of our 4th of July and made us do a podcast on the 4th. <laughs> but he just, again, I, I just keep coming back to like, it was, it's June 25th. And I kept thinking, well, we've gone this far. Nas should just go into the, go right. into the market and just see, you know, if someone will blow him away with four for 80 and maybe they will. I mean, I thought you did a good job of highlighting after the draft that there were less options for him. And I'm sure his agent probably (laughs) knew what was out there, but I don't want, I mean, he didn't take like a hometown discount by anything. He got his money, but 
I think the location, I think the, the teammates, I think the culture, I think whatever, the coaching staff, the front office, whatever, like they played a big role in this. And that's why tongue in cheek, but it is a really big moment for this team because they've just botched the easiest things in the world time after time after time historically. And it seems like they got this one right. And that's on top of, you know, maybe maybe getting the D'Lo trade right and just a couple other things and they're starting to build momentum. So a lot to figure out a lot. I mean, they have $110 million or whatever assigned to three centers, essentially, um, that they're going to have to work through. But they did what they're supposed to do. They kept the guy that they've invested way more than, what would you say, $6 million in? Mm -hmm. They've invested a lot of time and energy in developing this guy. And now they have the asset. And now they have to look towards their next move, whatever that may be. Uh, let's grab a break and get into some of the nerdy stat and Excel spreadsheet stuff. <laughs> now that we've, we've done the gushy stuff. Uh, back with Kyle in a minute. Today's show is brought to you by the Genesis Company. As an entrepreneur, do you envision your innovative products on retail shelves? If that is you, then listen up. The Genesis Company is your guide to retail triumph. Their expert team has aided over 300 brands, generate more than $3 billion in retail sales, and is dedicated to transforming your dreams into reality. The Genesis Company amplifies your brand's potential by leveraging advanced marketing strategies and the latest technology. They specialize in extending direct-to-customer brands into mass retail and enhancing retail brands, DTC, or Amazon presence. But they offer more than just marketing. From retail consulting, packaging, and sales strategies, to operations, financing, and supply chain management, they provide a comprehensive end-to-end -end solution. And here's the best part. The Genesis Company is invested in your success. They're not just a service provider. They're your partner in growth. When your brand wins, they win too. If you're ready for the next level, contact them today at grow at the Genesis company.com. Let's scale your brand together. Today's episode is brought to you by Hyacinth Restaurant and summer in the NBA means the off season, but summer is also absolutely the season at Hyacinth Restaurant in St. Paul. The team at Hyacinth is working tirelessly to bring you the most delicious, vibrant food the state of Minnesota has to offer. The chefs, they're hitting all the metro farmers markets and partnering with local farms so you know you're getting the freshest, most in-season products that you can get your hands on. I've been to Hyacinth a bunch of times for special occasions or just the casual impromptu meal, and I think they excel at both. I love getting the staple menu items, the Bucatini Casio e Pepe. I've loved there, and uh, I've gone with Kyle a couple times, his favorite is the chicken parm, but they do surprise me every time with an array of seasonal dishes that I didn't get on my last visit. And I think that's the best thing about Hyacinth. I get, I get the comfort of a reliable standby and the feeling of discuss, discovery all in the same meal. So make a reservation on their website, hyacinthstpaul.com to select a seat at a table, the bar, or the summer only sidewalk patio. That's Hyacinth Restaurant on Grand Avenue in St. Paul. All right, Kyle, let's uh, just start segment two here by getting into where the Wolves are at financially now. Um, it's a pretty like if you rule out the possibility of a like a big time move, trading a, you know, trading a starter, somebody in the rotation like it was always going to be, um, if not that, a relatively straightforward kind of offseason. Right. The Nas Reed was your main free agent. Nikhil Alexander-Walker, also a free agent for you. Uh, then some more like minimum guys like Jalen Noel and Austin Rivers, also free agents. But the main two things, um, and kind of in this order, were Nas and Nikhil. And now we have the number uh, on Nas, and it's just under $13 million. We were kind of were talking all along about that 
somewhere around $12 million number, go over the mid-level of 12.4. And I think you've outbid most of the market, which they did. They went over that by about half a million. Um, and so whatever, you, you lock in Nas for about $13 million. And what that leaves you left with uh, below the luxury tax line is $6 million. And not to go all the way into it again, but the reason I think we're drawing that luxury tax line uh, for the Wolves is kind of a cap on spending for this year, right? As we know, the team's going to get really expensive next season and certainly be in the luxury tax. You try and stay preemptively stay away from that repeater tax. And so they got about six, just under $6 million, uh, after signing Nas um, with where they're at right now. And I would guess you're going to need a little bit more than $6 million um, to be able to sign Nikhil. I don't, I don't know. That's just kind of estimating. Um, you could free up like 300K more by waving Jordan McLaughlin and replacing him with a veteran minimum. That probably doesn't necessarily really do it for you. Either the other kind of card you could play to free up some extra space would be waving Torian Prince at his $7.5 million number and bringing in, again, a minimum guy at like $2 million. And there, you know, then obviously if you were to do the TP thing, now you're upwards of like 11, 12 million is, but you can for sure get Nikhil there. But I started doing that and I'm like, okay, well, if you waive TP and now you have like 11 million in space below the tax, I was like, well, what if you just didn't bring back Nikhil at all? And I'm not necessarily saying I'm anti bringing back Nikhil, but there's a world now that I hadn't really considered or a pathway that is you've brought back Nas at 13. And what you could do is wave Torian Prince, wave Jordan McLaughlin, let Nikhil Alexander walk, and you got about 11 and a half million bucks that you could just spend on a free agent, right? Um, and, you know, people would go through your free agent lists out there and see if you think there's a player that would sign for, you know, 11, 12 million dollars with the Wolves. But the Wolves could spend up to that much using the mid-level exception if they wanted to. Um, and I just hadn't really, I hadn't really considered that uh, as a pathway. Obviously, I think it would hurt to lose TP. I think he's actually a fine value at seven and a half million. I don't think J Max necessarily a bad contract at two point three million. And I wouldn't mind bringing back Nikhil Alexander Walker either. I think he's showed a lot at the at the end of last season. But I, I don't know. I hadn't really thought of the idea of this being like a free agency type of summer. But I think it's worth pointing out that the Wolves theoretically could get a guy you know, over 10 million, 10, 11 million dollars um, at the cost of no TPJ Mac and Nikhil. Is that intriguing to you at all? Yeah, because as soon as the Nas Domino fell, I just, I mean, before the Nas Domino fell, I was always under the impression that they would just resign. No, because he's restricted and exactly. it, does yeah. seem, it does seem like most of the time, and maybe I'm missing a guy, but Restricted free agency sucks, and most of the time you get kind of Pinch not man. a great deal. <laughs> um, so I was just kind of always thinking like, okay, the Nas domino fell, they'll just resign Nikhil, and that'll be, and then they'll mm -hmm. maybe like you said, add some one other small piece, and that's kind of it to run it back. Uh, I'd never really thought about them not resigning Nas. What mm -hmm. you said makes sense. I just and and they're very back. well could still be the thing it's like you know just bring back Nikhil for six like you could do that for just under six million and be under the luxury tax like I'm I'm not saying that's just the possibility that we've been mm -hmm. throwing out for a while now I just hadn't thought about this alternative of like the opportunity cost of 
basically trading TP and Nikhil for an $11 million player. That's kind of the, the question here. Would that be worth it to let both of them go and bring back instead one $11 million player? And this is where we take the podcast outline and we combine all the topics into one because <laughs> I said in the first segment that this is one of the greatest moments in Wolves franchise history. Now you, you are saying that there are avenues to go where they would have some money to go out and get an $11 million player. And I would say, A, the list is not that great. And I know you know that as well. But B, like, where, what position do they need? <laughs> like, where do you... Well, where do you... guard, maybe? With this, right, right. But be. it's like, you know, there's... Other than, you know, Mike Conley is probably going to... More than likely going to be on this team next year. No, he had guaranteed only... yesterday. Okay, so he's... But he's also going to guaranteed probably play 60 games <laughs> next year, right? He's an older point sure. guard. So there is no one behind him right now. If, you know, Nas not here and Jordan McLaughlin is maybe a cap casualty and we don't know what Wendell Moore can do. So I'm with you on that. Just... I think this is now that that breakdown you did with Excel is really good, but now this is a good spot to pivot into like going back to Nas. What is his role? Because mm -hmm. at full health, you're running into this situation and you and Brick kind of touched on this already. It's like, remember Kyle Anderson? He was pretty good. Like <laughs> you have all these guys that you need to give minutes to. And that's without even thinking of like, okay, you can't redshirt Josh Minot again. <laughs> you got to give some of these guys yeah. at least a chance to breathe, right? Like you can't draft Wendell Moore, who was, you know, we don't know much about him. And then like go another year of him not seeing the floor at all. So I think, it, I mean, in the end, what you presented by how they can get to that $11 million, $12 million number is good because as we're going to continue to talk about for maybe ever, the salary cap and the second apron and the CBA and all that stuff is like, you just want to have flexibility. And if you're Minnesota, you're rarely going to have any flexibility. But even if you have 2% more flexibility, that's got to be a good thing because you're going to have to continue to work those margins and just find guys on certain deals that fit kind of your, your probably bench, right? Or your backup point guard spot. Well, it, it this would be an avenue to them finding their version of Denver getting Bruce Brown last year. And yeah, that's a good point. Honestly, yeah, yeah. it could be Bruce Brown. Like, would that be maybe that's the eleven million dollar player that you would go sign in this situation of the Wolves? He's he's a free agent, and it'd be one of those where it's probably like a one year type rentally deal again, like Bruce Brown was um, the the season before. But yeah, I don't know. I just I hadn't I hadn't really considered it. And if I were to consider that path, I would be kind of aiming at point guard, just kind of like you said, based on where who's going to play. Like that seems to be the 20 minutes a night type of role that is available on this team at at this juncture with no with only Mike Conley and Jordan McLaughlin as your true point guards on the roster. That list is funky. A name I've thrown out is Dennis Schroeder. Um there half I, I I think I like Schroeder more than most people do. Just whenever I throw that out, people are like, no, don't do Schroeder. I'm like, okay, whatever. Like pick your poison at at uh 11 million or pick your point guard. Um, there's there's not a lot in that range out there, um, but that would that would intrigue me some, though you wouldn't like to. It would be a more win now type move where maybe you could lock Nikhil up for three, four years. You could, you know, sign him longer termish instead. And, you know, what is weighing those two things against each other? I would guess the most likely outcome here is, you know, trying to just bring back Nikhil and shave off some money elsewhere but uh 
I think it's worth pointing out now that we have the exact numbers on Nas that this is an extra path that they that they have to take to. And kind of hopping around a bit, but today the Wolf signed Nas Reed. This is the Nas Reed podcast now, but I saw some people tweet out like Nas Reed, six men of the year incoming. And I was like, yeah, that sounds cool. But then again, <laughs> it goes back to like, remember Kyle Anderson? Right. So yeah, even, like the Bruce, even the Bruce Brown thing, which... I mean, who the hell in their right mind is going to watch Bruce Brown in those playoffs and then be like, nah, I don't want Bruce Brown. But I mean, you sign Bruce Brown, it's like, is he the third guy off the bench? <laughs> is he the, you know, so it, you're starting to get in this weird scenario where I like that you presented it because it's nice to know how much money is available and how, mm. you know, even 5% more flexibility is better than not. But I just kind of lean back to like, they, they, they definitely wanted Nikhil at the trade deadline for a reason. He was kind of, when you were fitting those, ideas of what you could trade D'Lo for and it was like maybe a pick maybe like an older point guard and then like this weird rookie scale project guy sure. that you can invest in and they got all they checked all those boxes um but I, I do think and we watched Nikhil in that playoff series that might it might just make the most sense just to resign Nikhil mm -hmm. and that he fits that backup point guard slot because again like unless you're gonna move Mike which I know his contract was now guaranteed yesterday but unless you're gonna go out I mean what you know Dennis Schroeder like is that a type of guy you want to put in this culture, going back to segment one, or just want to keep Nikhil and sure. build out this core of, mm -hmm. and I tweeted out the other day, like, if they do sign Nikhil now that Nas under contract, I think they would have nine guys on the roster that are all under 24 years old. <laughs> and now, you know, some of those guys, a year ago when I tweeted out this list, and yes, it includes today, Matteo Spagnolo. a year ago, it would have included Leandro Balmero, uh, but I think that's important too. You know, Nah, 24, Nas Reed, 23, Jaden, 22, Ant, 21, Wendell, 21, Jalen Clark, 21, Josh Minot, 20, Spagnola, 20, Leonard Miller, 19. That's also important to add into this sure. because I refuse to ever say, I, I don't like the term all in because you and I play cards and the Wolves didn't go all in in the Gobert trade. Because if you know what all in means, it means going all in was putting Anthony Edwards in the middle. That's not what, like they, they have, Plenty of chips left. They just are very pot committed to this Rudy Gobert angle. But they're not all in. And when you talk about young cores and the way we talk about OKC's core, Orlando's core, all these cores, it's like, I don't know, man. The Wolves have nine guys possibly under contract that are all under 24. And yes, some of them haven't done shit in the league. But some of the other teams we talk about, they have their guys haven't done shit in the league. So <laughs> I think that's a really big deal to resign now because he is kind of a fit for this roster. But yeah, again, I, I think it's important that you highlight. I just don't know that free agency class, man, is just not that good. And the guys that you would sign again, like where, why, even if you could give Bruce Brown double what he was making in Denver, what's he going to do here? Yeah, I mean, I, well, play. I, I, I don't think he'd be the. I think well, he'd be like him and Kyle off the bench. Okay, right, would be the the first two guys. But yeah, I, I and I don't know. You're, you're right. It, it, maybe maybe but they're the first two guys off the bench. The guy that we were literally doing this whole podcast about that's making yes, $12 million third, a year, yeah. he's going to be the eighth man of the year. I'm pretty sure that in contract negotiations, they weren't like, hey, Nas, we want you to sign here. You love the culture, but oh, you're also going to be yeah. the fourth guy that subs in and you <laughs> might sub in behind Matt Ryan sometimes. Like, that's probably not what the sales pitch was. <laughs> yeah, no, that, no, that's that's a that's a good point. I, th let's talk about that for a second. Like, how, what is Nas's role and, and how big could that be? I, don't, I remember a couple episodes ago, I don't remember who it was with, but... I went and looked and reminded myself that 
Nas only played in three games once Cat got back before he broke his own <laughs> wrist. So Those are great three games, though, man. That was a great week of basketball. <laughs> That's why I was surprised to see it was only three because I was like, man, we made a big deal out of that. Um, but in that, I would just kind of went through the box scores of those games and by like the final game or the one that Nas got hurt in, like Cat and Rudy both played like 34, 35 minutes in that game. Right. So that's 70 minutes of big and you have 96 total minutes of bigs per game, right? 48 at power forward, 48 at center. So if Cat and Rudy are each going to play 35, like there's only 26 big man minutes left as is, which that alone would be, that's fine. I think that's what Nas theoretically signed for, right? Like a 25 minute a night role. But like, what position does Kyle Anderson play, right? Exactly, exactly. He played, he played, so is he now sliding down, you know, getting the majority, I I guess, yeah, he's probably going to get the majority of his minutes at the three when this team is fully constituted with, if you have Cat, Rudy and Nas all healthy, like presumably opening night. Kai only gets up to 25 minutes or whatever in that game if he's playing the three. And so I think you are right to say that this is starting to be a group that has a lot of stuff just outside of like the starting caliber of player. Um, so yeah, to to your point, maybe with this mid-level thing, that that isn't a need. Maybe you would break that up and have it be like two $5 million players or something like that instead. Um, but I'm just curious to see how much Nas Reed is going to play next season um, because we're, he signs his contract. We think he's going to play 25 a night, but I, I don't know. What, what do you, how do you see the Kyle Anderson thing happen? Point guard? I'm going to answer that. I'm going to answer that by talking about Torian Prince for a second. Cool. Every, every time you keep talking about Torian Prince being that one contract now, now that guaranteed, like the one deal that you could, you know, kind of lose or cut bait with and have a little more flexibility and people. Are, and I like GP a lot. I think he's one of probably the more veteran players on this team that a lot of guys look up to. But they're like, well, how can you get rid of TP? But again, let's just talk this out. Like we know what the starting five is going to be next year. If, if Mike Conley is the point guard. I think Nas Reed today solidified himself probably as the first guy off the bench, right? Like the first thing you do is just sub out one of the bigs, especially because of all the things we've seen on this roster. We haven't really seen Carl and Rudy very limited sample size, but they haven't haven't seen them click. So you pull one of them out, your first sub, and you put Nas Reed in. Mm -hmm. Then you got to get Kyle in, right? So Kyle has to shift down and probably subs in for a Jaden or something. And again, it's just like, I don't want to lose TP, but if Kyle, who I think is better than TP, comes in at the three, like you're just running out of space for these guys. And it's like, who other than, you know, a lack of a backup point guard from two to five, we don't have enough minutes for it. But that's uh, what I'm saying. Point guard. Like I, that's why I don't hate the shooter idea. Like if there was a place mm-hmm. to put it, it would be a point guard. Now it depends if, if shooter is the only guy who fits that salary range and quality that you're thinking of and you can't get him, or, you know, whatever. Maybe Tim Connolly just doesn't like him, right? And so you cross that off. Then, yeah, there there aren't a lot of other free agent point guard options out there. But to your point, if we're saying Nas is the first guy off the bench, Kyle Anderson is the next guy off the bench, you do need to bring a guard off the bench. And who is that right now? Because we're assuming Jalen Noel's that was kind of his role last year. 
assuming he's going to be gone, like a guard needs to come off of the bench. And maybe some of that is Kyle by proximity of he, maybe Mike is that first, he, maybe he subs in for Mike Conley, right? And then it's Ant and, and Kyle who both kind of play pseudo point guard when Conley's not in there. But if there was a place, all I'm saying is if there was a place to invest money in and you had minute and you have minutes to give, it's at point guard. Because I don't think Mike Conley's playing 82 games. I don't think in the games he plays in, he's playing over 30 a night. Like there is still, I think, 20 minutes a night available at backup point guard for this team. And yes, that could be answered with Ant. Yes, that could be answered with Kyle to some extent, but it will be answered most cleanly with a backup point guard. And one of the things that I hadn't seen anyone really talk about with the Nas deal today is now he's making on average of like, what, $14 million a year yep. over the next three years. I know there's a player option in that third year, whatever. But uh, one thing we know from covering this, not this team, this league, professional sports in general, Nas Reed now makes more money than Kyle Anderson. It's a lot easier to just be like, yeah, you know point. what? We just can't squeeze Nas in on this Tuesday against the Pistons because you know what? Though he makes like 1.2 million. Mm-hmm. Well, he makes like 12 and a half million this year. Right. So again, like he's going to, he's, he's not, yeah, and going it's not to one be... of those like in a year from now it, it kicks in. He's making 12 and a half this year. Yeah. Yeah. Like 13, he can't yeah. just be DNP. <laughs> right. Yeah. Or it's, you know, so, but Kyle Anderson, who's 29 years old in the last year of his two year deal with the Wolves, like, I would not imagine that that man, even if he's wearing glasses, is like down to take a less minutes, right? So I mean, that's why I want to. I think they overplayed Kyle a little bit last year. Yeah, and that's fine. I, I just want to stress again for one more time is like I think today is only positive because <laughs> yeah. the counter to this was a, a a bad thing, not only from just a core standpoint or you know a You're roster standpoint an or an option standpoint, yeah. but tomorrow morning. There's a lot of work that needs to be done. You didn't solve anything, I don't think, by this. You just gave yourself more options to make the next decision. Um, but yeah, this team, again, God, Cat and Rudy start, right? And then I think Nas comes off the bench first, and then Kyle comes in, and then maybe TP is here, and he comes in for Jaden and all stuff. And it's again like, okay, but does Josh Minot ever get a chance? Because who knows if he's any good, but you have to as this roster gets more expensive, you can't just throw Josh in two years from now. Like you have to give him, I expect Josh. Wouldn't it be fine if he just starts the season out of the rotation? Yeah, that's fair. And I mean, and then injuries injuries and and whatever. Yeah. But but it it, it is like a, he doesn't need to be the nine man day one. It is a sad trombone. If we give Tim Conley, and I want to talk about this in a little bit, like all this credit for unearthing these second round picks and these Leonard Millers on stuff. And if he doesn't actually contribute, so, no, I don't think Josh Minor. Well, don't worry. Play. Nobody's going to be on the roster in, in a year from now. There's going to be plenty of, <laughs> be plenty of playing time. <laughs> so, but so, again, that's, it, it, is, it is a numbers crunch, and, and politics play. I mean, I, when we talked to Finch last week, you know, he, he made a mention that his, uh, I, I, I referred to it as his coaching passport has a lot of stamps. And he said, like, in 2023, a lot of it now is just being a CEO and managing personalities managing egos managing all that stuff again that we don't always see and i don't think nas reed by any means is going to be a different human tomorrow than he is today just because his bank account got bigger but it did get bigger and he now makes like the fourth or fifth most money on this team and he's not going to play 12 minutes yeah so he has to be Mm -hmm. in there and we saw kyle 
look so good at the four. I mean, again, this because Carl's out 52 games, but I mean, I don't know. I just, this is off the top of my head. I just don't see how Kyle plays the four anymore. Right. You have three guys that are making 110 million. Like those three guys play every possible minute of the four and five interchangeable, whatever. Kyle now has to shift down. Mm -hmm. No, that's his, that's his path to playing. If Nas plays 25 minutes, it is just, there's literally not minutes available elsewhere. 35 to cat, 35 to Rudy leaves 26. That's it. That's all that's left at the four and five. And you can stagger it and stuff as I'm sure they will. Um, But this is, this will be a question, right? As we're at training camp and we're asking Finch like, Oh, who do you think is going to play? Or like a position, Tory Prince, Kyle Anderson. Like, yeah, we now know those are going to be legitimate questions. Um, once once we get there, uh, let's grab another break. I, I do want to get into Connell. You and I haven't we've talked, but we haven't talked on the pod. Just kind of about it, where Conley is at now, and we're <laughs> seeing more and more moves. We're getting further away uh, from the Go Bear bit. So let's uh, let's take a break. Back with Kyle. Let's talk some Conley. Today's show is brought to you by the Game Time app, and Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. I went to a concert last week, and the whole process of knowing where to go to get the tickets, it was stressful because the last time I went to a concert, it was a mess trying to get the tickets from the third-party website onto my phone. But with the Game Time app, I felt confident even last minute that I purchased my tickets at a fair rate, and that's because of their best price guarantee. And then with the app, it was easy to just use my phone and get into the concert I paid for, no confusion. So if you're looking for tickets to a Lynx game, a Twins game, or a concert this summer, Check out the Game Time app. You'll get images of your seats when you buy, so you know what to expect when you arrive. You can buy tickets in a matter of seconds, two taps, and you're set. And tickets are sent directly to your phone, so no need to dig through your emails and click on a link here or there. You can just snag tickets without stress with the Game Time app. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code DaneMore for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, Create an account and use the code DaneMore, all one word, for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. Today's show is brought to you by Bird Dogs, and Bird Dogs is a comfortable clothing line that makes you look good. I'm a fan of Bird Dogs stretch khaki shorts because most of my shorts are made of stiff, restricting cotton, but the Bird Dogs pair I have, they fix that issue by inventing cloud-knit fabric that looks like khaki, but stretches so you get a slimmer fit. Without having to sacrifice movement, they use an anti-stink, anti-sweat fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. I mean, Bird Dogs is the exact same thing as Lululemon, but they just fit way better. So if you're looking for a more comfortable set of shorts this summer, I really would recommend Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash pool and enter promo code pool, P-O-O-L, for a free Yeti-style tumbler with your order. That's birddogs.com slash pool for a free Yeti-style tumbler. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. They promise you. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, Kyle. Uh, Tim Conley has now had the opportunity to make a couple more moves, right? And more to come here in the next two, three weeks as he rounds out this roster. I think what we have seen, and you would echo this, is, yep, last July, the big, not all-in, but pot-committing move uh, that they made aged super poorly, right? Just given the the assets that were traded for Rudy Gobert. But subsequently, uh, whether it be turning D'Angelo Russell into Mike Conley and Nikhil Alexander-Walker and some second-round picks and then using those second-round picks to go get Leonard Miller on draft night and also add uh, Jalen Clark as an interesting flyer uh, late in the second round. It seems like Conley's starting to like catch a rhythm, right? He, he makes the Nas move and shows a commitment, another commitment to the big idea, the big identity of this team. It All of these moves have been moves that kind of double down on the the double big idea, right? The Conley move helps out Gobert um, in, in what Rudy can bring to the game via Mike. And then signing Nas says, yeah, we actually want to continue playing big. We're going to play 96 minutes a night of Carl, Rudy, and Nas. Um, and you know, people are going to think different things about that. But it's been interesting to watch Tim Conley kind of cook a little bit here and signal to us the or show us how he wants to build out a roster. How have your thoughts on on Tim Connolly? We've talked about this a little bit during the season, but just over the past week, or I guess three, four days, whatever it's been, how, is, how are your thoughts evolving on Tim Connolly and what he's doing to build out this roster? I want to answer that with a question back to you. Oh, yeah. Um, because as the price of eggs continue to soar, so too, I think, in 2023, does the price of aluminum foil because tinfoil hat Twitter just loves a good conspiracy theory. Uh, so let's just take it back a year or 14 months from 14 months ago. The Wolves have one good playoff run. They probably should beat the Grizzlies. And then big game hunting, right? That was the term of, you know, not second apron. It was big game hunting. They go out, they try to get this GM, and they, they do finally pry Tim Connolly away from Denver. Uh, and I just, I just think, like, what if they just sold them in that New York, penthouse of Mark Laurie's like, hey, we're going to double your salary and we're going to give you some ownership equity that can only be defined by six pivot tables and a lookup, And you're going to be treated like a king, but we need you to just do one thing, right? We need you to like, we, we want to also big game hunt a GM, but we also want a big game hunt a player. And the ownership, hypothetically, 
new ownership, just says, you got to go get this guy. Fuck them picks. Like, whatever. Just whatever you got to do to get those to that guy. And Tim obliges. And since then, everyone hates Tim because it was an overpay. It was getting the $800,000 house for $1.5 million. Everything since then has been, and I've been really critical, has been like a borderline masterstroke. Like, I don't I mean, every deal, everything he's done since then, I mean, even like the Walker Kessler pick, which was part of the Rudy Gobert trade, like, was a really good pick. And if you go look at like write-ups, Kevin O'Connor's like draft, like Walker Kessler was not previewed to be the guy in those draft articles that he showed in his rookie year, right? And then he gets a guy like Josh Minot. And then the energy turns to, well, now you got to figure out the D'Angelo Russell thing so you can tie up your starting five. He's like, no, we'll wait. And then he's the guy on trade deadline day that Woe just tweeted. And I was like, everyone's waiting on Minnesota. And Tim is holding out for these extra second round picks, which is like, well, who cares about second round picks? And then he gets a starting point guard and he gets a fun guy and non and he gets these picks. And it just seems like ever since that first move, all these other moves have been really, really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, like the Rudy Gobert trade is smaller, is, still... smaller, but good grades. Significantly yeah, it, smaller, it, but a significantly better grade. And it just makes me wonder, like, if he was like, I'm just going to take this job, you know, and like you had to mix in too, like the Washington rumors, right? That was floating in the air. And like all that is settled. And I thought I, th- I thought the best segment you and Britt have done almost all summer was when Britt just really hammered home how much more comfortable Tim appears and yeah. like media stuff, whether it be public or private. I, I, I do wonder if he's settled in now. He's like, I'm not going anywhere. I made the one move to appease ownership, but now maybe they've learned, you know, that this is my job and to stay out of it. I don't imagine Mark Laurie or A-Rod had a lot of say in the D-Lo trade. Um, but ever since Tim made that first move, which he will be tied to forever, and it does look, I think, a little less and less bad because you didn't sign like in 2023, you gave up a, a lottery pick, right? You gave up a, the 16th pick. I really just find myself being more and more bought into what he's trying to do. Finch, when we interviewed him the other day, like had some comments about just the culture and that what Tim's doing and like they seem hand in hand. But that was just a long winded way of me saying, I don't know how you enter this summer or this year two of the Connolly regime, not being kind of bought in on what he's doing, because it would be fun to see Tim Connolly have the 10th pick, right? Like he seems to know what he's doing in the draft. But I thought the Leonard Miller thing, man, like I know we get we talked about at the beginning that we get all excited about these guys that we don't even know anything about. But it was incredible how many real smart draft people had Leonard Miller as like a lottery pick. Mm -hmm. And Tim was like, we'll use the second round pick that I held out for in February to add it to this thing to move up and get this guy. And he just I think he's comfortable now with you talking to you, like talking to the media and also just the job. And I think he's in control now and he doesn't have as much fingers and too many cooks in the kitchen i think he's doing an amazing job like really and i i wouldn't mean i would not have said that six months ago right at all i I think what's interesting too is when we we talk about the bad thing right the the thing we would give a bad grade a d minus the trade right the Mm -hmm. the rudy gobert trade 100 percent does not mean that rudy gobert is a d minus player now personally i don't think it's gonna work with cat and rudy i don't Mm -hmm. I, I don't think that that I, it could, I, but I, I, I don't think it'll work. It doesn't mean that I think Rudy is a D minus player or not a really productive player in this league. He had a, 
a year that did not meet his own standards. That's a little scary when he's turning 30. But I don't think Rudy, like we talk about that trade sometimes like he's absolutely nothing. And that's just not the case at all. He is still a right. The the super role player. Rudy is still at least that. And even if we don't aren't totally bought into the idea of the two bigs and the long term vision of that specifically, that doesn't mean Rudy is nothing in the interim. I could be wrong. And it does work with Cat once we actually see it. And if not, there are alternate paths here to pivot off of it. Double as many paths to, to pivot off of that now that you've signed Nas Reed, right? You have Nas Reed locked up longish term now, and it presents an opportunity a year from now when the financial issues are more pressing that maybe you do move Rudy, or maybe you do move Cat, or maybe you do move Nas, right? Um, but there is this world still to kind of recoup off of that D minus move because the player you got back isn't nothing in, in Rudy Gobert. That can be flipped into something else. Or Carl could probably be flipped into something a lot more than Rudy could be flipped into. There's, there's pathways here to build a good team going forward. I, I, I do believe that even if I don't presently believe in the roster as currently constructed. And I think that stuff is is worth noting here too that given the fact that we do green light the all the subsequent moves, the trade of Delo, all those other things, even the small thing like the two second round picks on Thursday, it's like, okay, I can kind of get behind the idea that something here is coming together if Conley stays on his game and continues to hit on moves that become continues hitting on marginal moves like the ones that he's been doing here and potentially could hit on a bigger move 12 months from now uh, down the line. There's, there's, there's a, a path here that, um, yeah, that I think should have, have the fan base excited and it's going to be on Tim to execute how to find that. All he can do is deal with the transaction windows that have come to pass, right? The there is a huge one coming in a year from now when the when this roster gets prohibitively expensive. But that's not here yet. He hasn't made moves to preempt that and they can run this roster out this year. They can try and maximize the most of it. And I think his moves don't get away from that like looming cloud that is coming. But for these 12 months, like, yeah, I think you got a roster that is intriguing and has some team building options to build off of it going forward, even if you are asset poor in, in terms of the picks you've had. I, I so another long way of echoing, like, I've been behind his subsequent moves and, you know, let's just kind of see what he does going forward. The best... <laughs> The best take you've had in 2023 was comping the D'Lo timeline and the patience in mm -hmm. solving the D'Lo dilemma and then relating it to whether it be Carl next summer or next deadline or maybe Rudy, mm -hmm. right? Because, you know, as when we enter this next season, Rudy only has one more guaranteed year and then it's a player option. So as Ryan Rosillo would say, I would imagine he's going to pick up that option, but who knows? Maybe he can find three years. I mean, who knows what happens, but 
I'm speaking solely for myself here. There are now more than one move on Tim Connolly's Timberwolves resume. And to me, I just, for myself, and I think maybe others, I just don't believe that the man that negotiated the trade last year was also the man making the rest of these moves. Mm -hmm. Because you do see new owner syndrome is a real thing. And you're seeing what Matt Ishbet is, you know, is doing down in, in Phoenix. And you see what Michael Jordan did on his way out. Like Owners come in and they want to make a move. And I believe that they probably had a big influence in the Gobert trade last summer. And maybe Tim was like, wow, whatever, like double, like whatever. I'm still doing the modules of, you know, this new job. And I got to figure out my office and stuff, whatever. We'll just add extra picks. If Tim could negotiate that again, I still probably think maybe he does get Rudy. And then it makes you and I think like, well, I don't know if we believe in that type of basketball strategy for building out a roster but maybe he saves two picks right but the man ever since the rodrigo bear trade has made not only good moves but i, I go back to that delo trade like connected moves right like he could have just been like okay we're gonna get rid of delo because we're not gonna resign him and yeah give us a point guard and give us a fun guy that we can maybe sign this summer but i, I seriously i remember that woe tree where it's like the hold up right now is minnesota <laughs> and he gets an extra couple second round picks I'm like yeah whatever that doesn't and then he uses that to like target a guy that they're really high on and to move up. And now you're starting to see, because this is not the case for all 20 other teams. Like, you know, this, like not all the teams have connectivity in their moves. They just, they make that move. They make that move. But it seems like Tim is starting to make these moves that are all connected in building up this roster. And it does, I, mean, I don't think he's the greatest gym in Wolves franchise history or whatever, but it does give you some faith that, all of the fun stuff we're talking about today and seeing all these guys at the airport and hugging them and helping put their luggage in the, you know, <laughs> up the top of the airplane, like they still have massive hurdles that are coming. There are going to be bad days moving forward for this franchise because as you're seeing around the league and you and Britt talked about all the big trades, like the CBA is going to be a death blow to all these teams and it's going to force you to trade guys that you thought you were going to build around. Mm -hmm. 24 months ago not just the ones uh, and, yeah yeah and it, and it gives me more hope that if tim is in his bag here and he's really heating up that he does still have his fastball and that maybe even though a blip on tim's radar or his resume was the, the gobert trade which was like you said a d minus or a big blip that he's like you know what i can recover from that i can i can figure out like i if if leonard miller is better at 33 than the guy that jazz drafted at 16 with the wolves pick kind of negates that pick in in how my brain copes like that's a big sure. deal so he's finding new ways to to find value to honor I mean, that's how, what i've always wanted from my president of basketball operations is like i don't care if you can go sign the big guy can you go find the nas reads of the world can you go find you know these guys that other teams look over because of a medical scare or they didn't like a certain aspect of his game so i i don't know how you can say anything other than your tim Connolly stock is going up even if his stock dropped super, super low because the right. Gobert trade was historically a tough pill to swallow. Yeah, I mean, and even I'm, as you were talking, I'm trying to think of like, okay, well, what what are other things that he subsequent moves to Rudy Gobert that he didn't hit? And it's like, okay, um, Bryn Forbes, <laughs> you know, like a minimum, like, yep, he didn't hit that one, right? But that is small. Wendell Moore Jr., but the 26th pick, does that maybe not age well? Maybe. But, like, really, 
I, I don't know. I mean, I'm just looking at the roster trying to think like those outside of the Gobert trade, those would be the only two moves I think you could point to and be like, oh yeah, those, those haven't really proven to be positive value propositions. And then the other ones, the D'Lo trade, the Miller draft trade, all that other stuff, the Nas Reed one. I mean, they, to me, seem like positive value propositions. So, yeah. He also that, signed the best free agent signing in Wolves franchise. Kyle Anderson. Yeah, that's a good one. Or super low, but it, I just come back to this yeah. conspiracy theory is like, what if, what if a year ago they're in their war? I mean, again, and like the Walker Kessler thing, like he was pretty amped to draft that guy. I've said before, like, I think a lot of people in that organization were like, okay, cool. Like we believe that Walker Kessler's probably better than what most people think. And what if he's just in that war room or whatever? And he's like, well, we'll do three picks. We'll do three picks. We're not going to do Jaden. We'll do three picks. And hypothetically, new ownership's like, no, nah, just give him five. Like, let's go get this. Like we couldn't rebound against the Grizzlies. Let's go get Rudy Gobert. Yeah. And he's like, you know what? Whatever. Like I am making twice my salary. Like, let's just do this. And since then, I mean, there hasn't been, and again, yeah. yes, they didn't, they didn't get out of the first round of the playoffs. Right. So at the end of the day, you got to win games, but, he hasn't really had a stumble since then. And it just gives me hope that he was able to recover from a D minus or, you know, paying twice the house, the cost of the house. But I've always said, no matter what, even before the D'Lo trade, he's going to have another blockbuster trade on his resume because this new salary cap stuff, this new CBA is going to force you to do that. And it just makes me more hopeful that he's going to be able to navigate that. Right. And going back to your, you know, your take, like that maybe he doesn't have to trade Carl in two weeks. Mm-hmm. even though they just now have 110 million to three centers, like that he can find the right timeline when Rudy or Carl or how maybe even Nas, their value is at that peak moment that then they can get out from the chips that are stacked against them in the salary cap and, and continue to build around what he said. And the best thing he said in the year he's been here is like every move we make now has to be around Anthony Edwards. Mm-hmm. What a, where are you at? I mean, we just haven't talked since the, the draft. Do you have any, I guess, quickly here? We can wrap up somewhat soon. But Leonard Miller, Jalen Clark, thoughts of it? I feel like Leonard Miller is right in your strike zone of a player you're going you're gonna to love yeah, watching Josh, at summer. Josh Minot has graduated, to, uh, and now uh, Leonard Miller will be invited to my next wedding I have. Uh, I mean, I, I, I was really excited. I knew of Leonard Miller. You and I actually... He played in yeah. the Wemby versus Scoot game that you and I went to last uh, October. So I remember like hearing his name and seeing him. He didn't, I think he was shot like four for 13 in that game, but uh, he just fits. I mean, there's so, he's so raw. And that's probably one of the reasons that he slipped. But guys like Sam Bassini uh, at a national level, I mean, guys like even like a Tyler Metcalf, who does a really good job covering the draft, all those guys were like really had a lot of positive things to say about him. But I'm glad you asked me because I wanted to go back to you because you and I haven't talked online a lot, but offline a lot. Like, remember when you texted me a couple months ago that one of the things the Wolves need to do is they need to find their next Kyle Anderson? Yeah. Like, that should be a priority. Leonard Miller has a long way to go. (laughs) But he does have the skill set. Like, if you want to ask me, like, hey, what's your type, Kyle? It would be guys that played guard growing up and then just became 6'10". You know what I mean? Like, so, because those guys are special. They have the guard ability, but they have the big man body. And now, if you're 6'10", you got to learn how to bang a little more and be a big guy. But, it just kind of stuck out to me during that draft of, like, his playmaking ability. Yeah, he can't shoot, right? I mean, Kyle can't necessarily. isn't a spot-up shooter all the time. I do wonder if that is kind of now their new 
pet project of like, we're just like, I wonder if when you go into the locker room in October, if Kyle Anderson and, and Leonard Miller's lockers are going to be next to each other. Right. Right. And it's just like, Kyle, like kind of coach this guy up as like a playmaking five tool guy. That's our Swiss army knife. Uh, so I was really excited. The Jalen Clark stuff. I knew about him. I've watched him play a couple times out here. The Achilles injury. I never really know. You had that good analogy of your friend who has had an Achilles injury. I still come from the old school thinking if you have an Achilles injury, it's Bad. damn near a death blow. Yeah. But um, they have no expectations from this year, right? And that's probably good. Let them mm-hmm. let them work. Let them try to get his game back. We've just talked about that. There's no room for <laughs> Josh Minot, let alone Leonard Miller, let alone Jalen Clark. But uh, I think they did really well, and they seemed like they were hyped about the draft. So they got two good guys. They added some young, you know, potential talent, and that's what they have to do now because they got a D minus on the Gobert test. You have to go now find these steals of the draft and these guys that were not valued properly by other teams. Um, so I'm optimistic about it, but I don't know. Again, I was pretty high on Josh Minot with you last summer, and he played like 14 minutes. So <laughs> I'm trying, like again, like I know that sounds crazy, but I'm trying to like drink some water here and be like, you know what? Maybe we'll see Leonard Miller in 2025. It is, well, that, that's a good point of like whether it's Minot or Leonard Miller eventually doing the things to develop to the point where they're a rotation player. What I think is interesting is those guys are it those guys are gonna play like the four or five, right? Mm-hmm. When they if and when they are ready to crack a rotation. Um that's a bit interesting of a wrinkle when you factor in that you just signed your third center to more than ten million dollars <laughs> on, on your team. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. that was you know and and, and I like I I'm pretty excited about Leonard Miller after now having a chance to like really have have watched um, a lot of him with, you know, knowing it's going to be a down the line sort of thing like we think with Josh Minot. But that's uh, when we talk about. Yeah, this team's going to probably need to pivot for financial reasons at some point they have if it is Coral or Rudy that they have to that they do pivot off of um, one, you now have Nas in the mix under contract to to fill up the some of the big man minutes maybe you bring back kyle anderson next summer after his free agency is gone but you also have now leonard miller and josh minot potentially waiting in the wings to get some minutes at the four or five too so it's it's a team with like a lot of big guys uh which i guess it was last year too and um i wonder if part of the you know theory behind that is potentially we're going to need to move off of one of our bigs uh down the line and these are two wild cards we have in the mix there too. I just think it's interesting that the two biggest upside wild cards on this roster right now, outside of the rotation, probably play the four or five. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Like that, that's just yeah. kind of odd. <laughs> and, and I would say the one thing when you look up this roster, you look up this awesome young core that I believe in, shooting is still, you know, if you're, if you're one of those yeah. pro trade cat guys, and Carl was just all of a sudden off the team. This team doesn't have a lot of shooting. <laughs> That's true. Uh, like I used to say, they didn't have a lot of guys that could dribble. I think we've pivoted <laughs> into guys that maybe can't shoot. But uh, it does mean if you know anything, and this again from the exit interviews at the end of the season, like, you know, even in a traditional sense, you know, you have your two, your shooting guard, you know, you have your three, like those two guys, you have your planet, right? Now you're trying to find the stars to surround that planet. But it does seem like Tim Conley. That's why the Wendell Moore pick to me, like I hope Wendell Moore balls out in summer league. I really do. Mm-hmm. But that, that pick 
in and of itself just doesn't really vibe with all the other kind of draft picks that Tim has had. But Walker Kessler, and it sucks because he's not here anymore, Another but big. <laughs> he was a really good pick. That's, that's, a, that's a really good pick, and he's a big. Uh, Josh Minot, kind of a multi-tool guy that can defend, get out in transition. Like You're starting to see, and this goes back to the connectivity of the moves, these guys that all have a similar kind of starting point. It's athleticism. It's length. It's the ability to do multiple things, guard multiple positions. Mm-hmm. Um, and now you're just bringing them into your, you know, your program and hoping that we can. That's why it was really cool that they got two second round picks is because why not have more guys right now that we can coach? Mm-hmm. We can kind of train on how Wolves basketball should be played or whatever. And uh, because at some point, again, as we are drinking beer and celebrating Nas Reed, we're going to have a lot of podcasts and a lot of content and a lot of discussions about hey, they have to figure out, is it Rudy or is it Carl? That is going to be just a thing, just like it's going to be a thing down the road. Is Mark Laurie going to pay a luxury tax? That is going to be a real conversation. And having young, athletic guys that you can surround Aunt Jaden with is a big deal. So I'm excited to watch Leonard Miller in Vegas. I'm excited to watch Wendell. I'm excited to watch Josh Minot dunk on Wemby. But you need to hit on some of those guys because as Tim said to you uh, after the draft, like we're down a bunch of firsts. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know if that was totally his decision or not, but the proof is in the the proof is they're down a lot of first round picks. So uh, I'm excited about Leonard Miller. He seems like the type of guy that'd be, you know, the Lamar Odom comps had me feeling something. <laughs> um, and I hope that Jalen Clark, I thought you did a good job of talking about his kind of motor and that that'll play just as much of a role in just getting him back on the floor. Yeah. Because some guys that are 2021, like you tear your Achilles and you might just think what I think. It's like, oh, it's over for me. And uh, I, I'm excited to follow that kid's kind of upbringing but yeah i don't think either of those guys they're going to be the focal point of what you and i talk about in a couple weeks in the desert but then after that as i've learned with josh minot as i've learned from talking to finch patience uh, those guys won't see the floor right this next season right yeah and i mean maybe some people when i'm saying they're you know minot or miller are like fours or fives like yes the best case scenario is one or both of them develop a shot and they can you know, be Toronto Raptorsy and be a three. That's six nine, six ten, right? Um, yeah, that would fit into the context of this roster. But I think the biggest like high end swing skill that is very up for debate with both Leonard Miller and Josh Minot is the idea of their jump shot and what that is ever mm-hmm, going mm-hmm. to become, right? And I, I, I use the Kaminga example before. I think we kind of saw it with like Patrick Williams in Chicago early on, like a way to get a player who's athletic and physical and an NBA body on the floor before their game has fully developed is to slide them up a position, Mm -hmm. you know? And I I think that's probably the path for Miller and Minot while also hoping someday one or both of them, you know, could be more of a play, could play a more perimeter oriented uh, style offensively and defensively, but it's the type of player that's fun, right? For summer league to to watch and kind of oh my god, let your, <laughs> let your mind so wander. With. Yeah, have you are you gonna do any video breakdowns of is it Yak Cat, not Conley <laughs> Towns, but like that other guy? Like that, I saw some video of him. I was like, okay, I went down an overtime elite rabbit hole this morning and tried to like figure was he like injured? I'm like, what? How does overtime elite even work? I I don't know, but I did I did see. 
I did see that. You saw the vertical video where he like jumped over yeah. the basket. Yeah. Oh yeah. boy, did I. Yeah. <laughs> I, I. And you know, it. We we haven't run. We've done a pod since the Nuggets won the like championship. Ninety percent of the listeners right now are like, "What are they? Did he say yacht rock? Like, I don't. What is yeah. this? Cat yacht? <laughs> yeah, or right, yacht yeah. You cat? just turned off yeah. the pod now. Yeah. Uh, but no, I, I no disrespect you know, to is, his name. I just don't know what it is. I don't. One of my biggest takeaways too from like the Nuggets winning the the finals because you and I haven't spoken on here is that uh. It is still, and Britt said that it is still a copycat league. You can't copy what Denver did because there's not a lot of centers that can play like Jokic. But one of my takeaways from watching that team was that they were just, despite heat culture and all, it's like they're just bigger and stronger yeah. than than their opponent. And I do wonder if Tim believes in that too. Is just like let's just get a bunch of size. Yeah. Let's run. Well, that's that's part of my of- whole reason of like having. That some of the doubt that I have about the way this roster is, is I think it's big. I don't know if it's strong, right? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I mean, Cat and Rudy and, and J- because... like even Jade, you know, those guys are all great in their own way. They're not like, they're not both big and physically imposing. Mm-hmm. They're just mm-hmm. big. And that would be extremely encouraging if 25 games in the next season we're sitting here and we're like, man, the Wolves like, They've had like five or 10 games this season where they've really like physically imposed their mm-hmm. will. That is that is a huge blocker for me in my head right now when I just think about this team going forward and working as big as is like currently constituted is the I, I haven't seen them be big and physical. I guess I did for those like three games and Nas Reed played in those it, three but, games. But it does, so maybe it does, that's the it thing. does yeah. tie me into you just they're they're just gonna lose a couple games this next season because everyone always does where you just a team hits 33s. But I do wonder as 30. Simmons and Rasilla were talking about this too. Like the, the regular season continues to be like less and less important, especially right now. A really fun thing to think about is that the league right now is old. Like a lot of the star players you think about in the West are on the wrong side of their peak. And maybe the Wolves just throw a bunch of tall, young, strong guys out there and just run the ball in. <laughs> January and February, right? Just try to grind out some wins. But no, I mean, I will, because it'll be four hours. I will have to call my doctor if, like, there's a Kyle Anderson, Ant, Jaden, Josh Minot, Rudy Gobert lineup, right? Like, that's <laughs> long as hell, has some playmaking, has a ton of athleticism. Uh, so it's going to be interesting. But yeah, Leonard Miller, great. Jalen Clark, hopefully, is going to be great. Um, but I, if, if you're really into those guys, really dial in uh, after the fourth because... Those guys are going to probably, hopefully, play a lot of minutes in the summer. Yeah, and then you might have to drive down to Des Moines to see them again before like the next Fourth of July because they're not <laughs> going to be on this team next summer or next next year. Right. Um. All right, Kyle. This was fun. I appreciate you leaving the pool to come talk about uh, Nas Reed, and I think you know the the whole Wolves fan base or much of it is excited. I know there's like deep data Wolves Twitter that doesn't like Nas Reed because the stats don't always point to that. And one thing I always say to that is like, okay, a lot of any advanced metric, like catch all metric is extremely based on on off net rating differential point differential, right? When you're on the floor versus when you're off the floor and Nas Reed, the entirety of his career has been on the floor when the best player on his team has been off the floor in Carl Anthony Towns. And that makes a huge gap in on-off differential. And that is a big reason why a lot of the numbers 
don't scream that, you know, Nas is even worth it at this number. And to me, Nas has always been this. So I'll end with this. Like, he is the perfect example of watch the fucking game. And, <laughs> like... Let him cook. Let him cook. Just... He did these things at 19, 20, 21, and 22. And if you watched, you saw, and I saw, a guy who fell over way too much, um, was inconsistent with his jump shot, fouled too much, all of those sort of things. But you... Didn't you see, like, didn't you see the rest of the stuff? Like, wasn't that intriguing to you? Or did you just look at the estimated plus minus? Like, they both matter. I use these stats all the time, Kyle. You know that. I'm not, I'm not poo-pooing that stuff. But there's, like, you gotta, if it is saying something that is so out of line with what your eye test is seeing, then ask yourself, what is maybe behind these numbers there? And don't always have that be your first thing that you fall back to is the wind shares or that sort of thing. Like believe in the idea that a talented player that you are watching play all the time can become better than he currently is. And that's to me with Nas, what it has always been the intrigue. There is the intrigue that he could be. He has the opportunity to be substantially better numerically and productivity wise, whatever, then, then he has been because he's still only 23 years old. So I don't know. I like even I had a, I had an assistant GM text me wild overpay. And I was like, I don't agree. <laughs> I don't agree. You know, um, I would have told Danny Ainge to lose my number. <laughs> Bum. Uh, no. So, so I just, it, but, but, but I, the, the point of watch. what I said, the point I said at the beginning is that as Timberwolves fans, we are very guilty, myself, of celebrating macaroni and cheese out of a box. But what you saw today on the timeline or talking to people was that a lot of other people wanted that mac and cheese. A lot of other people were like, that mac and cheese would be one of our top free agent targets this summer. And who knows? Maybe they trade them in six months, right? Like, that's why, again, I said, you celebrate today and you get back to work tomorrow. But I don't know, man, if you thought if you thought Luca Garza was better than Nas Reed, I don't know what to tell you. And I like Luca Garza. But if you think Luca Garza was the best third big for this team over Nas Reed, then we probably just see the game differently. And, you know, and that's that's okay, too. Clearly, uh, Tim Connolly somewhat agrees with the the idea because he did sign Nas Reed to a $14 million a year uh, contract. And he's going to be on the Wolves. The Wolves are going to remain big. The big experiment uh, continues. And, you know, let's... Let's stick around to see how the, you know, the story <laughs> plays out. Size <Yeah>. matters. <laughs> uh, on that note, he's uh, he's Kyle Tige. Uh, you follow him on Twitter at Kyle Tige. I would recommend going to listen to Flagrant Howells. Kyle and Phil Mackey had Chris Finch uh, on the show uh, last Thursday. You can uh, listen to that. Uh, Flagrant Howells on podcast, or you can go to YouTube and uh, watch that interview with Finch. thought that was uh, fun. And you guys, even though it was draft day, like did a good job of talking like big picture so it's i think just as relevant right now uh as it you know as it will be all you know all summer so make sure to check that out uh, at flag and howls again follow kyle there i'm dane at dane more mba and i'm sure we'll have some more pods this week as this one was a random out of the blue because they signed nas uh thank you to kyle for coming uh, until later this week he's kyle i'm dane peace out
How I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stop, yeah Green it hard so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah Hope you dancing like nobody else around, yeah, yeah. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.